Petersfield's Shine Radio. Shine Radio's Growing Together with Claire Venice and Steve Amos is supported by Alitex. Modern Victorian glasshouses made in South Harting. Hello and thanks for joining us in Growing Together, the gardening podcast from Petersfield's Shine Radio. I'm Claire Venice and I'm joined by the Adhurst Estate Allotment Chairman, Steve Amos. Good evening. Good evening, Steve. How are you? I'm really well and I'm so, so happy to be back here at your allotment plot (laughs) at the Adhurst Estate Allotment. Well, you're very welcome and it's good to be back, isn't it? It really is. I didn't realise how much I was going to miss coming here, but we've been to the shows and it's been fab. We have. Well, I've been to a show. You've been to all the shows. (laughs) But thank you for um, letting me come to the Hampton Court Flower Show because I loved it. It was such a good day. It was a really good day, wasn't it? It was actually. really good. Met and some lovely people. Yeah, no, we did. We did. And I think it's good to be back here. And things have come on, haven't they? Yeah, I love coming here because even coming here every two weeks, things change and grow, obviously. And it is looking beautiful for August. The colours are out. Everything's growing. Everything's being harvested. It's a lovely time of year. It is a great time of year. And it's that time of year where all your hard work through the winter into spring and early summer starts to pay off because, you know, my house is full of flowers. We've been eating potatoes like nobody's business and mm. um, onions the reject onions and shallots that have been sort of picked and, and readied for for the shows coming up and um, the only thing we've not managed to eat yet this year are beans we've had a bit of a problem with beans not a bean beetle or anything as drastic as that but the deer we've had a real problem this year my runner beans all bar about six are about a foot and a half tall. Yeah, your bean poles do look a little bit sparse. <laughs> a little. I'm sorry. A little. That's an understatement, Claire. It's a real pain, but um, there's not a lot we can do about it other than put a six-foot-high fence around, which <laughs> which is, you know, at the moment quite cost-prohibitive. So um, we, we do what we can. Have the deer affected most of the plots here on the allotment? A, a lot of people that I spoke to have had a visit or two from the deer. They seem to find a spot where they know there's good feeling and come back to that spot because if you look around my beans have been mullered doug's beans haven't mike's beans haven't and coxie's beans haven't okay so whether whether all arrows are pointing to my beans i smell a rat not a deer i smell a rat that they're all being herded towards my my lovely beans but um they seem to find a spot and come back to it and and i came down on sunday morning actually early doors and found one in amongst the beans i was like a madman chasing it off the allotment the dog and i careering through the undergrowth great image well, i'm wondering if mike dougie and coxie have maybe pointed a few arrows oh, at your pot. i've just bought some stuff called grazers it comes in a, in a bottle and you dilute it in a spray and you spray it on, on your produce and the deer don't like it deer rabbits pigeons grazing animals graze don't like it and they move on it's quite a bitter taste apparently it's not harmful okay. not harmful to humans done loads of research on it gonna give it a go oh here's hoping well you never know here's you hoping. never know well joining us in this episode we have Eddie Mordew from the traditional Garden Growers and he's talking about a natural way to improve soil health as well as hydrate plants using sheep's wool, which is really interesting. And we also have Mike, the volunteer at the Petersfield Physic Garden. Is that his job title? Actually, it's not his job title. Is it not? Sorry. Listen on and he will tell you his <laughs> job title. He has a very special job title. He talks about this really beautiful gem of a garden in the heart of Petersfield. So 
the Adhurst estate allotment, Steve. I love coming here. You have a plot here. How long have you been here at the allotments? Well, the first fork in the ground started in 2012, and I was part of that. But before that, 2011, there was talk about setting up the allotments here. My predecessor as chairman, David Petchy, and Martin Coxey, as we affectionately call him, met at Harrow. And I can't take any credit whatsoever for setting up the allotments, but um, it was born out of a meeting over a pint at the Harrow. There's a massive waiting list in the Petersfield area for allotments, and this land had just come available. It still belongs to the Adhurst estate, so we've been here since 2012. It's a large area as well. It is a big area. I think about 19 acres we've got here. And in that, there's just over 120 individual plots. Then there's the community garden, and then there's the orchard as well, which we run similarly to an allotment where you can rent a stake for five pounds a year and you can plant any native fruit tree you like and then you tend for that yourself and then over the years the ecology of the site has grown as well and then we've opened up the river walk and we've now got the solar pumps we've got the miyawaki forest we've planted the hazel cops it's so much more than an allotment now people say oh you run an allotment yeah i do run an allotment but a great team that helped me run the allotment and it's so much more people love it here during lockdown when we opened even more plots i genuinely believe and i stand by this it was a real lifesaver people came here and sought refuge sought quiet time sought a bit of peace and quiet and grew their own food which is amazing and it is an amazing place i mean there obviously is quite a vibrant gardening community in the area because there are three different allotment areas aren't yeah there? that's right yeah so the petersfield town council run the ones up at tilmore gardens then literally just over the railway are sheet allotments and then there's us here but we're slightly different because we're not beholden to any council or anything the buck stops with me and then to the landlords so you know we are absolutely privately run so all the maintenance all the hedging all the tree planting all the grass cutting everything is done by us people take pride in what they do here as well now is there still a waiting list for plots here at the allotment yeah absolutely an ever-growing waiting list if i'm honest claire if you want to get in touch with us then just google the adhurst estate allotments or the new petersfield allotments as we're also known as and then um, we'll come up and you also have groups you have meetups don't you occasionally yeah we do so every about every six weeks we have a working party here where plot holders part of their tenancy agreement is they have to attend a certain number of working parties to help maintain the site they're a good social event people enjoy it i say a day's work it's two hours it's not a day's work at all it's hardly onerous and i bet you there's cake involved always yeah (laughs) good times well let's hear now from eddie mordew from the traditional garden growers they're based in oxfordshire so growing together had a little trip out of hampshire to go and visit interesting what the guys are doing there using sheep wool I've come to Oxfordshire, to a sheep farm, to meet with Eddie Mordew from Traditional Garden Growers to find out how he's using sheep wool to help improve our soil and therefore our plants. Hello, Eddie. Hello, Claire. Thank you very much for coming. Well, thanks so much for inviting me. You contacted Growing Together to see if we'd be interested in finding out a bit more about what you're doing. Now, it's interesting, you're making wool pellets. Yes. The wool has also been used in the garden in allotments to help deter slugs and snails laying them down on top of the soil. But these pellets go into the soil. So we are trying to promote wool for its agronomic benefits as well. It's um, 7.5% nitrogen, a little bit of phosphorus, about 0.6%, but also 6% potassium. So high value nutrients to your plants in the soil. Now, wool retains moisture. Do they use for that benefit as well? When you put the pellet in in some water, you'll see it'll, it'll expand. So it's almost like having little sponges locked away in your soil, but when the water comes, it'll soak that, and that will allow your roots to come down and utilize the 
the water that's been locked away so especially with the summers as they're coming more hot now mm. and then degrades over time a slow release fertilizer which helps keep your plants hydrated and fed over the, over the whole growing season. So you can use it throughout the year then for different purposes to a certain degree? Exactly that. So you can, in the spring, when you're planting out, pop a little bit in the, in the bottom of the hole that you've dug and that will lock the nutrients down there and allow your plants to utilise that. But also in the summer, you can plant them around the stem, which will, again, help prevent slugs and snails. But more importantly, it will form a mat across the top, which helps water infiltrate through the wool and then prevent any sort of evaporation coming out. So it's a nice mulch layer on top. Clever, because we're all looking for new ways to keep moisture in the ground for our plants to grow in the summer. So how did this come about? How did you discover that you could create these wool pellets? Well, it's happening all over the world. So Canada, America, people in Germany and on the continent are making these wool pellets purely for the purpose of soil enhancement. And what they're doing, is what, which is what we're planning to do, they're mixing the wool with other natural wastes, be it chicken manure, horse manure for your roses, and then they're um, selling them as a natural soil enhancer. But there's so much more to wool than just a slug repellent. It's the agronomic benefits that are completely overlooked in the UK. So potentially there could be different types of wool pellets for different types of growing and different areas within your garden. Yeah, so that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to create a product line using wool as the base and then to make it easier for customers to make the transition away from chemical fertilisers to a more natural alternative. Wool has traditionally been used to improve soil. So as recently as our grandparents' generation, some of the old farm boys used to tell me at shearing time, they used to send all the good wool off to the wool board to make clothes, carpets and everything like that. But then they used to skirt the wool. So the shorter wool can't be used in manufacturing. So they used to take it back to the farmhouse veg patches, put it in the bean furrows, put it in the compost bin, and it helped retain the moisture in the soil and it degraded down slowly over time and it helped bring that carbon cycle back round into the soil. It's been going on for thousands of years. Uh, traditionally, sheep were shedders, so it's only since we started farming them that we had to shear the wool. Um, and yeah, so now we're taking the, the waste wool, pelletizing it, which makes it much more convenient for the end user to start bringing the natural carbon cycle back to their soil. The whole business is trying to keep it simple. So there's no massive manufacturing process. We're literally taking waste in its simplest form, be it wool, straw, whatever, pelletizing it which is a simple process using heat and pressure to form a pellet and then there's the end product. Now you set up the traditional garden growers with Jamie Langford. How long has the company been going? So we've only been going since last October, so about nine nine months or so. We're, we're keeping busy. It's uh, it's uh, obviously a new startup, but it's, it's going well. And also the topic of soil health is coming more to the forefront of the gardening world. Everything comes from the soil and we need to, need to preserve it. So we all know that plants photosynthesise. They take CO2 from the atmosphere and combine it with hydrogen from water to form carbohydrates. They then use that for growth, but more importantly, they feed the soil biology. And in return, the microbes mine the soil for all the nutrients the plants need and make it plant available. So there's a relationship. The plant feeds the microbes, the microbes feed the plant. But as soon as you start using chemical fertilizers in there, you're giving the plant straight away plant available nutrients. So it shuts off the exudates. It doesn't need to feed the microbes anymore, which is great in the short term because you get nice boosts of growth. But what that does, is it cuts off the food source for our microbes. So they therefore they reduce in number. And long term, 
that's obviously not a beneficial thing. So what's your background then, Eddie? Where did you study? <laughs> so I studied at Harper Adams University, studied straight agriculture there. And since then I've been working, still doing the farming, but uh, so now I'm trying to focus on the business. Have Harper Adams been supportive of your new initiative? Yes, yeah, so recently I got back in touch with one of my old lecturers and we're looking to try and work with Harper and get his final year student to run glasshouse trials with the wool pellets. And eventually when we develop the wool with another product, run a trial with them just to see, um, first of all, the efficacy and also give us recommendations on the best application rate so we can then provide that and give better feedback to our customers. Oh, that's great to have their support. I was going to ask you, how do you make the pellets? Is that a simple process? Very simple, yeah. yeah. So with the wool, we shred it first. So it goes through a big shredder and then we pop it through the pellet mill. The pellet mill has a dye, perforated dye and some rollers, which simply just push the wool through these holes and out comes a pellet. So it's a very simple, simple process. It's amazing. So can people buy the pellets? Is it available to buy? It is, yeah. So we're, we're selling on, on our website at the moment, traditionalgardengrowers.co.uk. We're only selling in, in half litre and litre bags. Uh, once we get our new machinery, we're looking to ramp up the volume. Now, obviously, this is a sheep farm. Do you have a particular breed of sheep here that you use the wool from? Yeah, so it's, it's a very, very small hobby flock started by my auntie. And she has uh, Cotswolds and Oxford Downs both traditionally were endemic to the area, rare breed sheep, but we also use wool from neighbouring farms as well. So everyone's giving us their wool, which is, which is great. And why was it important for you to use rare breed sheep or sheep that are, are traditional to this area? We feel as though it's important to keep the, the rare breeds alive. So the Cotswolds were traditionally brought over by the Romans. They were bred for their fleece. It's known as the golden fleece. So that was premium product and the Oxford Downs were more of a meat breed but still got very good wool. My mum sells a lot of the wool for spinners because it's quite sought after for, ah, okay, for that yeah. being a rare breed. And do you like working with them? I love it. Yeah of course I do. Well <laughs> at, at times it gets testing at times but no lambing's always good. Well you seem very passionate about it. Thank you for telling me more about the traditional garden growers. Best of luck with it. Well thank you very much. Thanks for coming Kat. Well, thanks very much, Eddie. Really lovely to meet you and find out more about what you're doing with traditional garden growers. I'm going to give it a go and see what happens. And Steve, I'll have to share some with you too and we'll let you know. Down here at the allotment, Steve, there's a lot going on. As I walked by, I saw Project Carrot and Project Parsnip yeah. are growing. Absolutely. Well, we, we've picked the first ones. Uh, went to uh, the Empshot and Hawkley district flower show. Entered some carrots, some potatoes, both coloured and white ones, some courgettes, some sweet peas and annuals as well. And we did all right. Out of nine categories, we got seven firsts, a second and a third. Well done. Yeah, Have you no. entered that one before? Yeah. So last year, it was the last show I entered. This year, it's the first show and it's really early. Second weekend in July. So a lot of my stuff, you can see my dahlias aren't even flowering yet. That sort of stuff's just not ready because mm. I aim for everything for the end of August, September time for the shows. But it's, it's a lovely little show. As ever, it made to feel very welcome. I didn't clean up like last year, which, which the rest of the competitors were quite pleased with. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but Project Carrot, Project Parsnip, you grow them in barrels. Yeah, so barrels, above and, ground. barrels and boxes of sand where I've cored out using a two and a half, three inch pipe, a column of sand, backfill that with a compost blend with nutrients in it. So three seeds, whether it be carrots or parsnips, and then thin out to one 
plant per station and then when the time comes fingers crossed and out they come and we did all right so the, the first one has been picked i picked seven carrots to get a good three which i was quite pleased about and how long how we long were they oh they're only the small ones so okay. they're only about a foot long okay only a foot long. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I think it's a really interesting way of growing. I think to grow them above ground in barrels. Well, if you're growing for the shows, yes, because you need control. Growing just for the table, as long as you've got good free-draining soil for carrots with as few stones in as possible, they're fine. They don't get to a foot long. For the shows, you need the control, the minimum amount of risk. Risk, ground carrots, God. <laughs> if life was so complicated, it's all about control. I mean, there's different types of gardening, aren't there? There's the gardening for yourself and there's the gardening for shows as well. Yep. And so you do a bit of both. It's I do, yeah, yeah. And over the years, I've kind of chosen the varieties that I've enjoyed, you know, and I'd rather grow something that is pretty good on the show bench, but tastes nice. Yeah, yeah of course. Exactly. The whole so, point is yeah, to eat them. Exactly. <laughs> and exactly. enjoy them. Well, this is interesting. There has been a single adult Colorado potato beetle identified in Hampshire. And this is not a beetle that's native to the UK. It's found in America, it's also found in Europe. It just isn't normally found in the UK, but one has been sighted in Hampshire. So not too far away from us, Steve. And to let you know what they look like, they are bright yellow or orange with black stripes usually between about eight and a half to 11 millimetres in length and about three millimetres wide. Keep an eye out because they will eat all the leaves off your potato plants. Is that and what they fact, do, is it? Yeah, they eat okay. all the leaves. And in fact, not just on potato plants, but on any plants in the nightshade family. Ah, right, okay. So tomatoes as well? Yep, so yep. watch out. Um, what do we do if we find one? If you do find one, you must report any suspected findings to the Animal and Plant Health Agency. And you can contact them on 0300 1000 313 or you can email them at planthealth.info at aphha.gov.uk. So we know what the beetle looks like. Mm. What about the larvae? What does that look like? So the larvae is reddish brown in colour, apparently. It's round and up to about 15 millimetres in length. Oh, right, OK. So quite different. So definitely look out for it. Not a good thing to have. No. Be careful. Talking about gardens, there is a beautiful garden in the heart of Petersfield, literally just off the high street, which you could walk by without even realising it's there. It's the Petersfield Physic Garden, and it is the most glorious place to visit. Again, a bit like visiting here, really, the allotments. You just go into a different space. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's looked after by volunteers. And I met with Mike, who volunteers there, and he introduced me to the garden and what goes on there. I've come to a gem of a garden in the heart of Petersfield's town centre and I'm joined by garden volunteer Mike. We're at the Physic Garden. Hi Mike. Good morning Claire and welcome to the garden. I like the, I like the analogy and you could call it an oasis, you can call it the hidden garden or the pearl in the oyster, I don't know, but I like all those analogies. The garden, I've been here for five years and what I enjoy about the garden is its diversity of plants and also the volunteers. I suppose there's about 12 to 15 of us, and that includes wardens as well. 
they're all types from all different backgrounds. And the garden itself is split up into different parts. For example, as you enter the main entrance, it's very formally clipped. We have topiary, as you may find back in the Stuart or, or even the Tudor times, that sort of thing. And then you go through the orchard where you have some fantastic trees, all pre-1700. Incidentally, Claire, all the plants we've got here are pre-1700. And that was through the desire of the founder, uh, Major Bounden. That's what he wanted and that's what we tried to adhere to. They're all traditional plants. And then you come down to the herb garden. I suppose you could say the herb garden is the heart, the beating heart of the garden. And there's a very complicated sort of setup in that border, for example, the three or four different herbs. Anyone coming in can help themselves to a plan and identify what we've got and where to find it, which is very educational as well. Talking of education, we get lots of school children in here. Only this morning I saw about 15 school children coming in. They looked about nine or ten years old, but also the toddlers, and they have a red uniform. I think there must be a local kindergarten or something, and they come in here on a regular basis, usually in fives and sixes, and their teachers ask them questions and, and introduce them to nature, which is which is really good to see. That is lovely. And how long has the Physic Garden here been open? It's certainly been open since, I think it was the early 90s, I believe. So it's, it's nicely established, and as I said, all the volunteers have their own little areas. For example, there's about three or four people that focus totally on looking after the herb garden. So nothing, I hope, runs amok for long anyway. Yeah. Now the garden, it was inspired by the Chelsea Physic Garden. I believe it was, yes. But there are still quite a few. I think there's over 100 Physic Gardens remaining in the country. But going back to the Middle Ages and, and the Tudor times, I believe every single monastery and abbey had a physic garden. And even now you can go to some monasteries, Buckfastley Abbey, for example, by Dartmoor, has a fantastic physic garden. And it was quite normal. And of course, you're talking about times when we didn't have modern medicine. You had herbal remedies and that sort of thing. Even now, some of these plants here have been used for modern remedies. We are sitting, as you mentioned, in the herb section of the physic garden and it's so peaceful, so beautiful here. There's a few people walking around enjoying it. I mean, we are sitting here in the sun on a gorgeous day. How many visitors do you have to the garden? We don't know, but there's a constant flow of people coming through. Quite a lot of people, I would say, certainly 20% of the people will come up to us and have a little chat, which is nice for us as well, as a matter of fact. But you do get all sorts. I've seen the forest monks from Chithurst come in here in their orange robes and sit quietly. I've seen six formers here revising for their A-levels. I've seen a lady that comes down from the Midlands to see her children and grandchildren, and she pops in here from time to time and donates last time it was a banana tree so people come back and you know we recognize and we have a nice little chat it's remarkable though how few people in the immediate area know of the garden it literally is just off the high street but unless you know it's here you could easily just walk by and not realize what beauty lies behind the entrance to the garden well you're remedying that Claire but but yes it's nice to see people come in here and enjoy the garden now you're a volunteer here What's your speciality? Where's your special place in the garden that you work on? Well, when I first came here, the head gardener said, what are you good at, Mike? She said, I think you'd be quite good at propagation. So she made me the propagator. Now, I'm okay at it, but I'm not that good. I think I'm an adequate gardener, sometimes a good gardener. I'm not a brilliant gardener, but um, we do all right. So I guess you can call me the propagator. <laughs> <laughs> because I come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are you propagating now? Have you got anything, anything that, go? well, actually, in specifically chamomile. So a couple of weeks ago, I raided the chamomile patch over there um, because 
two reasons. Firstly, I like chamomile, and also it's quite easy to actually propagate, split it up, and grow small little plants. And after about a month, you get quite a nice little tight tuft of chamomile. And we put them out for sale for not an awful lot, and they sell like hot cakes. So of late, chamomile has been my favourite thing to do. So you mentioned you have some plants out for sale as well. Do you have a variety of the herbs here then on offer? Not so much of the herbs, because it's not always appropriate to take cuttings or, or, or divide the herbs. But whenever possible, yes, we try. A lot of people donate things. We might come in and there's all sorts of plants been left and obviously donated anonymously and we, we sort of pot them up and look after them and put them out for sale. How lovely. Um, yeah. Is that expected or is that just sort of ha- happened over time? It just happens actually. How nice yeah. is that? And also we have seeds, anything here. So we collect and we package up and sell seeds. We've got hollyhocks around here mm-hmm. somewhere. So when they come up, to fruition later in the year we'll take the seeds and we'll, we'll sell them for people to buy it's such a vibrant place here it is rather what do you like about volunteering here what encouraged you to to come here what we're doing the volunteers we're creating a garden that people can enjoy but we're enjoying it too and also we enjoy people coming up patting us on the head and saying you're doing a wonderful job here <laughs> and they do many people do oh, nice. uh, are there many events that take place in the garden so we do have events like we had art exhibitions in the in the hall there but not so much in the garden unfortunately Maybe that'll come. So what's your favourite plant here in the garden? Oh, it's got to be the Chinese lanterns. Later on in the year, when they flower, the, the orange stays there right up until Christmas time. So that, that's, that's probably my favourite because they, they, they look resplendent, I should say, in the autumn and they keep their colour. Also nareens, a lovely, lovely pink flower. And, and they last for, oh, I don't know, a good month. But they come later in the, in the, in the autumn when everything else has been and gone. So I like those mm. two. Something to look forward to. Indeed. Mike, it's been wonderful talking to you. And, and you. Finding out more about this beautiful, historic walled garden in the heart of Petersfield. Thank you. Thanks very much, Mike. Wonderful to look around the Petersfield Physic Garden. If you're in the area, do pop by and see it. It is well worth the visit. Well, Steve, there's a big butterfly count taking place at the moment. Oh, right. From July the 14th until August the 6th. Just enough time to take part, and it only takes 15 minutes. What are we looking for? So you're looking for how many butterflies you can see in a 15-minute space of time. Okay. So if you go to bigbutterflycount.butterfly-conservation.org, there'll be more details. You can download a handy butterfly ID chart, and there's also a free app which tells you far more about it. But butterflies are among the most threatened groups of wildlife in the UK. And I don't know about you, Steve, but I haven't noticed as many in my garden. They're all in my conservatory. (laughs) What are they doing in I don't know, but it's a hot spot for uh, butterflies in Hampshire, I think. You know, red admirals and peacocks and the dreaded cabbage whites, all sorts of it. But you're right, though, there hasn't been as many. I don't know whether it's because it's been too hot. We we always talk about the weather as gardeners, don't we? But Mm. um, I don't know. It has an impact, doesn't it? It really does. It's really important, I think, to do this. If you do have a spare 15 minutes, take time to just do this. Uh, It really will help to map where the butterflies are and where they're not and what we can do to help. Down here at the allotment, it's a beautiful evening, Steve. I do like to come either at lunchtime or after work, just for an hour, have a little potter, clear your mind, might even take something home with you for tea, which is always nice. Well, I noticed in a wheelbarrow on your plot. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if you're planning to have marrows for tea, Steve. (laughs) There's quite a few in there. I know. It's amazing. They grow so quickly. I mean, technically they're not marrow, they're just big courgettes. They grow so quickly. 
I was up here, when was it? Friday, and picked loads and gave away loads. And I've come up six days later and they're over a foot long. They're just, it's crazy. But I thought I was growing three courgette plants this year. As it turns out, I'm growing two. And the other one is a ridiculous cucumber plant, a yellow cucumber plant that somebody gave me. I can't remember who gave me it. An absolute lunatic gardener. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's ridiculous. <laughs> I happen to have about nine of them too. <laughs> well, if, if yours are as prolific as mine, you're going to have more cucumbers than you know what to do with. This is a cucumber that I picked up at the first ever Petersfield seed swap, which we arranged. We did. I'm so we thrilled did. we yeah, did that no, this year. It, really good. Hope, hoping for bigger and better things next year but you're right the stuff that I've got in the wheelbarrow is a barrow full of stuff that was going to go to the compost actually so if you want to take a marrow home please help yourself thank you very much That's a pleasure do you have a place here at the allotment where people can put excess yeah there's a table by the communal shed there which was never announced but people put stuff on there and people just come and help themselves and, and it goes pretty quick to be fair love that in the winter there was a whole load of fruit bushes there which which soon went in essence it's there for spare produce which people do put out very nice. Yeah. Well, I know we've been talking a lot about harvest. There's still plants you can grow this time of year in August. There's a lot of salad you can still grow, yeah. which I'm enjoying. You know, a lot of people don't realise, but salad and lettuce is quite hardy. And spring onions, the clues in the name, plant them now. I've never tried it. I don't know whether you have, Claire, but I noticed in the garden centre the other day they were selling the virtues of grow your own Christmas potatoes. I'm not convinced. Have you ever tried it? I tried it last year. Oh, you did, didn't you? Yes. Well, I remember now. Yeah. It was a complete failure, wasn't it? Was. It was. Yeah. I'm not convinced either. No. I know people do, and it's such a great idea, but it didn't You've work You've got for me. a greenhouse this year, though. Maybe it's if you grew them in bags like mine, yeah. but in the greenhouse, they might stand a better chance. Well, maybe I'll try that. I did put them in bags last year, but they were obviously outside. Outside, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Hey, give it a go. Worth a shot. Yeah, definitely. Well, what's for tea tonight then? Anything from the allotment or, or the greenhouse? We do. Well, I know you said you don't have many beans. We've got quite a few French beans growing now. Ah, uh, okay. Yep. And courgettes. Yep. And I love my herbs. So an awful lot of herbs. I've been making salads with mint and with parsley in. Just delicious, delicious flavours. Sauces with oregano. Have you got any garlic? Rosemary. We have garlic. You've got garlic? I do have garlic. Oh, he's gone. Would you like a nice bulb of garlic? Look at your lovely bulb of garlic. Look yes, please. If that's spare. Yeah, yeah, of course. There you go. Oh, that's gorgeous. That was picked a couple of weeks ago, so it's dried out nicely. No Thank problem. you very much. Solent, solent white, solent I think. White. It is. Yeah. It's gorgeous, fresh as well. Yeah, well, I have also, and it makes me feel a bit funny, but I've also been looking at ordering spring bulbs. I'm always late ordering them. There's someone enjoying some music here at the allotment. Can you hear that? I'm not sure if you can hear it in the background. Someone's having a party. Well, why haven't we been invited? Why not? That's yeah, exactly. what I want to know. <laughs> we might go over there afterwards. As the chairman, I feel I should be invited <laughs> to all on goings on at the allotment. We'll bring a marrow. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe they'll invite us. <laughs> so yeah, spring bulbs. I love my spring bulbs, particularly tulips. This year I had the most gorgeous display and I want the same again for next year and more. So I have been looking online at Peter Nissen okay. and at Farmer Gracie. Oh yeah. Both really reputable great growers from the Netherlands yes and I've had great success with their bulbs in the past so I have a list going fantastic and you know it's it's something to look forward to and although you can still plant and grow things this year as we've mentioned it is also a time when things are slightly slowing down yeah. and I like to have something to look forward to and the thing is with gardening you know and we, we, we talk about it a lot it doesn't stop does it there's always planning there's always something else to do there's always you know something to fix or something to build or 
look at what's worked well this year, think about how we're going to protect the crops next year from the deer, mm-hmm. stuff like that. It's a constantly evolving hobby. And I, I think that's why I love it. It's always a challenge, whether it be the weather, the pests, the animals. There's always something to think about, isn't there? It's good. And something to look forward to and get excited exactly. about. Exactly. So, shows, Steve, I know you enjoy the shows. There are quite a few shows this time of year. So, wherever you are, take advantage of going to have a look, chat to people, see what other people are growing. In the local Petersfield area, coming up at the end of August, there's the Steep Flower Show, which is one of the longest-running shows. Yeah, 102nd year, I think, we're into now. Mm. But before the Steep Flower Show, there's Liphook. I've got a summer show. It's a lovely show. You know, as you say, go to these shows. There's such lovely people there and people are so happy to share their knowledge. It's how I got into it. I remember going to the Steep Flower Show and there was a lovely guy there called Tom Monday who unfortunately passed away a few years ago and he won loads of stuff and I went and sought him out and he took me round to each of his exhibits, not showing off, but telling me the variety, how he grew them, how he harvested them, what he did to ripen them and it was brilliant. I was just like a sponge soaking up knowledge and I was just so enthused by it it gave me the bug and I thought you know I'm going to give this a go and here we are now obsession yeah (laughs) and it is an obsession yeah yeah yeah. well there's also the Gardener's World Autumn Fair on the 1st to the 3rd of September at Audley End House and Gardens in Essex there's the RHS Garden Wisley Flower Show from the 5th to the 10th of September and don't forget there's also a number of open gardens with the National Garden Scheme so check the yellow book in your area And brilliantly, I have to mention, the Petersfield Community Garden, just next door, (laughs) is having, I think this might be for the first time, a remote control car event at the garden on Saturday the 12th of August. Now that is interesting. It's it's unusual, (laughs) we'll give it that, but it is very much an amateur event, no petrol cars. It's all electric. It's more fun than big, serious competitions. Whizzing them around the flower beds. They're not coming here. (laughs) They can whiz around the community garden all they like. They're not coming around my dahlias, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, Steve, it's been great talking to you again down here at the Adhurst Society. No, it's been good to see you. Thanks very much to our guests, Eddie Mordew from the Traditional Garden Growers and Mike from the Physic Garden. We would love to hear from you. So if you'd like to say hi, or if you have a question for us, you can contact us either by email on joinusandgrow at gmail.com or you can say hi and follow us on Instagram at growingtogether underscore podcast. Steve and I are off to go and join the garden party over there. We'll be back later on in the month. So until then, happy gardening. Growing Together is new twice a month and supported by Alitex, modern Victorian glass houses made in South Harting. Get the latest editions of Growing Together at any time at shineradio.uk. Come on, Petersfield, let's build a band. A beat from Dragon Street and a snare from the square. A bass from Penn's Place, a gliss from Liss. And a fill from Bell Hill. Ooh, some vocals from us locals. And the Dave Gilmore of Tilmore. Only Petersfield's Shine Radio plays original music from local musicians. The Local Showcase with Mandy P is sponsored by Brickyard Studios. Petersfield's professional recording studio, rehearsal space and PA hire. The Local Showcase, Thursday nights at 9 and always online at shineradio.uk.